Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. We're focusing on and continuing to study what it means to walk with God, walking with God. And we base that on the principle that we've found three times in God's Word that said, God resisteth the proud, but He gives grace, or the abundant grace, the greater grace, to those who walk in humility. That means if we choose to walk in pride, God says He will oppose us, He will resist us. But if we have a humble heart, God says he will shine his grace upon us, not just grace, but the greater grace. And how many of us today want to experience the greater grace of God? I certainly do. That is a biblical principle established three times in God's word, and it's not going to be changed, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament or right here today, that principle is not going to be changed. It is whether or not we choose to walk in pride and humility of whether or not we walk with God our God will oppose us. So we spent time developing that principle. And last week I shared with you an illustration, an illustration of someone who experienced pride and that God had to humble. If you remember, that was an old pagan king called Nebuchadnezzar. We read about him in the book of Daniel. Remember that? And he reached a point where he said, look at Babylon, what all I've built, what great things I've done, and I've done it for my glory And he's bragging about all that. And God had already foretold in a vision to him that he was going to have an experience of being humbled, where he would lose his mind. He would act like an animal for seven years until he would recognize that the Most High God is the one who has blessed him in every way and given and provided for him everything. And that he had recognized that the Most High God was the only God and that he would have to recognize that he could humble him. And he certainly did. And whenever he recognized that, he had his mind given back to him, and he realized and made that last statement, boy, this God, the God of Israel, is a God who knows how to humble those who are prideful. Well, aren't you glad that pride is only a problem with pagans and lost people? Aren't y'all glad of that? I mean, once you get saved and once you've been made righteous... You don't ever have a problem with pride anymore. We don't ever have that problem, do we, Greg? Not at all. Not at all. Wait a minute. If you remember two times in God's Word where it gave that principle, it was to Christians, to the church. In James and 1 Peter is where it states that principle, which lets us know this, that a problem of pride and this issue of God resisting us can be a part of our lives or a righteous person's life just as much as it can a pagan or a lost person. So today I want to show you an illustration here in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. I want to give you the life of a righteous king. He was the king of Judah. Now there were kings of Israel and kings of Judah and some were good men and some were wicked men. But this particular man happens to be the king of Judah and he was a righteous man, a good man. His name was King Uzziah. King Uzziah. But as we study his life, I want you to see and understand that this righteous good man eventually succumbs to that same common problem of pride 
and it's going to cost him. And if you'll understand that Uzziah, who's a righteous man, eventually struggles with that pride and it cost him, then you need to understand that you, in your position where you are, if you're a safe person, if you're a child of God, if you perceive yourself as being righteous because the righteous one has made you righteous, you need to understand this, that that pride can still be an issue and a problem for you. Even though you're redeemed and headed for heaven, pride can be a problem for you. And once again, if you have that pride in your life, God will resist you. If you have humility of heart, God will bless you and give you a greater grace. So the whole story is found here in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. I want you to see that he has a great beginning, a great beginning to his kingship. Listen there in verse 1. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, listen now, who was 16 years old. Think about that. He was 16 years old and made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Listen, verse 3. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned in Judah for 52 years. That's one of the longest reigns of any king. 16 years old when he became king and he reigned for 52 years. Notice what it says. And his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Verse 4 is important. And he did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. If you want to write down a little catchy phrase, this is a catchy phrase that you ought to try to mimic. Here it is there. And he did right in the sight of the Lord. That's a a good, good motto to have, right? That your goal is what? To do right, not in your sight, in man's sight, in the sight of who? Of the Lord. Well, what a wonderful commentary. That's a great beginning, isn't it? This 16-year-old who's going to serve for 52 years, he begins with a great beginning because he does right in the sight of the Lord. To all that his father Amaziah had done. Look at verse 5. And he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah. In other words, he didn't just get started. He continued every day to do what? To seek the Lord. Why would he be seeking the Lord? Because he knows he needs the Lord. His humble heart causes him to say, I need the Lord's guidance. I need the Lord's strength. When you're 16 years old and you become king, I believe you're going to need the Lord. Amen. And he continued to seek the Lord. He just continues to seek the Lord. Look at verse 5 again. Who had, uh, in the time of Zechariah, who had understanding through visions in God. Now listen to this statement. And as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, he prospered him. Okay, get that in your mind. That's exactly what that, that principle said. As long as somebody has a humble heart, God will give them what? a greater grace. You have a humble heart, you'll receive the abundant blessings of God. So when he says of Uzziah, Uzziah in his humble heart continued to seek God. He continued to seek God. And as he continued to seek God, God continued to prosper him, to bless him, to give him that greater grace. 
Now, if you just stop there, Uzziah is a wonderful example of what we ought to be and how we ought to live. Isn't that true? That I would do right in the sight of the Lord, that I will continue to seek the Lord all the days of my life. And as I humbly continue to seek the Lord, the Lord has blessed and he will, has promised that he will prosper me. All right? Why does he prosper me? Because of that principle. God gives greater grace to those who are humble. God is going, God is going to honor his truth. He's going to honor his promise. He's going to live by his principle, and he's going to do that for you. He did that with King Uzziah. So we see that he had a great beginning, 16 years old. 52 years as king over Judah, he did right in the sight of the Lord and continued to seek the Lord. And as he continued to seek the Lord, the Lord would bless him. All right? So he has a great beginning. Now it gives us a blessed life. Very similar. He wants to show you how he's been blessed in what he's done. So very quickly in your notes, you need to write this down. In verses 6 and 7... It tells us this, that he was victorious over his enemies. He was victorious over his enemies. There in verse 6 it says, He went out and he warred against the Philistines. The Philistines, that that old enemy of Israel all the time. I mean, you see all these kings battling against the Philistines. We saw David battling against Goliath, the Philistine, didn't we? The Philistines were always warring against Israel or Judah. So whenever this man, Uzziah, becomes king and he's blessed by God, one of the first things is he has victory over his enemies. He defeats the Philistines. He tears down the walls of Gath and Jabna and Ashdod. All those are cities of the Philistines. He tears their walls down and he rebuilds for him Judah in the place of of those cities. He's taken over the territory. Not only that, God helped him not only against, verse 7, the Philistines, but also against the Arabians and the Munites. And it says, and the Ammonites paid taxes to Uzziah, and his fame extended to the border all the way to Egypt. You see how he's having victory over all his enemies, the Philistines, the Ammonites, the Egyptians? It says, for he became very strong. There in verse number eight, I want you to underline that last phrase, for he became very strong. So the first result and the first aspect of a blessed life is he defeated his enemies. The second thing is that he secured he secured his land. Look at verse 9. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, the valley gate, and at the corner buttress and fortified them. He also built towers out in the wilderness. In other words, those towers were watchtowers, and they were also a place, a means whereby it protected the city. So he'd take those gates, he'd build a tower on the, on the corners of those gates so they'd be able to protect and be able to see and view anyone who would attack them. Out there in the fields, he would also build these towers that were observation towers and places that they could be protected if they needed. So he's building security around his city. Not only is he doing that, he's blessed financially through his crops and through his herds. Look there in verse 10. And he said he had much livestock, and both in the lowlands and the plains, and he had plowmen and vine dressers in the hill country and fertile fields, for he loved the soil. So he was blessed with the soil. He had herds and he had fields. He had, how, how, how could you not 
feel like you're blessed. He, he's winning victories. He's securing his land. And all of a sudden, he's, he's getting all the produce of the land. He is living a blessed life. But that's, that's not all he's doing. He also made a mighty army for, for Judah. Look there in verse number 11. Uzziah had an army ready for battle which entered combat by divisions. It tells you about the divisions. In verse number 12, it said he had 2,600 who were valiant leaders. In other words, they were divided into 2,600 groups with 2,600 valiant men leading those groups. And then in 13, it tells you how many soldiers he had. He had 307,500 soldiers who could wage war. That was a powerful army. 2,600 leaders, 307,500 men who were ready to do battle and to carry on. Think about the picture of it. He wins the victories. He's got a secure land. He's blessed with all the produce and all the herds. He's got a mighty army that's under well-organized and under, under the leadership of these valiant warriors. They are a powerful force to be dealt with. That's not all, though. He gave them well-equipped things for the soldiers. Look in verse 14. Uzziah prepared for the, all the army shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and sling stones. He, gave, he didn't just have an army. He equipped that army to carry on work. And that's not all. He also brought about the engineering of what it calls the engines. The engines were catapults. You've seen catapults, haven't you? Catapults that would throw stones, catapults that throw arrows. Well, he brought about the engines or the catapults to Jerusalem to protect their city and to wage war, something that no one had ever seen before Uzziah did all of that. In other words, he experienced the good life. Could, could, you, ever, could you ever want anything more than what he had? Victory, abundance, an army, security, all of his army with everything they need, weapons that people have never seen before. He has lived a blessed life because he sought the Lord and the Lord prospered him. So we want the story to end there, amen? (laughs) Wouldn't that be a great place for the story to end? But here comes that same common problem. Common to who? Common to man. Did you hear that? That, that's, a, that's an easy way of saying common to you, common to all of us, that same problem. Here's Uzziah, 16 years old. He sought the Lord. He's been blessed of God. He's been so prosperous and so many more. It ought to just continue that way. It ought to continue that way. But wait a minute. Look what it says in verse 15. Very last sentence. It tells us about this common problem. It says, For he was marvelously helped until he was strong. You ought to underline that. He was being prosperous and blessed when he was humble of heart, seeking the Lord. And he was marvelously blessed until he was strong. I had you to underline in verse number 8, remember, 
for he became very strong. One of the worst things that can happen to somebody is for them to get strong, for them to feel like they have arrived, to feel like that they have been blessed, to feel like that they have all that they need, that that they're just somebody. That's the worst thing that can happen. For see, you can take in your Bibles, and where that word says strong there, you can write the little word pride. That's what, that's what it says. For he was marvelously helped until he had pride. Until he grew strong in his own eyes. A common, common problem. Well, it tells us next about that. Verse 16. Underline these two words. But when, (laughs) here's this blessed life, prosperous in every way, but when he became strong, his heart was so, there's that word, so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. This man who began so well, this man who experienced so many blessings, he was experienced, but when he became strong, his heart was so proud. Pride creeping up in his life, creeping up in his mind, controlling his spirit, he becomes proud. And when he becomes proud, it says it caused him to act corruptly. Pride will cause you to act corruptly. And it says it caused him to be unfaithful to the Lord his God. Compare that or contrast that to what it said earlier. That he was marvelously blessed. In everything he was doing by the hand of Almighty God because he was humble. But now that he has come along and he has gotten strong and pride has crept in his heart, what's the other part of that principle? The other part of that principle is when you have pride in your life that God will oppose you. He will resist you. Now, hold on a second. That principle is equal on both sides. We like that side where it says God will give grace to the humble. Amen? Hallelujah. We love that part. But wait a minute. If he is faithful to that part of that promise that he is going to bless humility, he is also going to be just as faithful to stand on the other side of that promise that he will resist and oppose the proud. It all comes down to what's happening in the heart of a person. Uzziah had been blessed because he was humble, but now he became strong and his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. Wow. So what what did he do? What is it that Uzziah did that was... So unfaithful and so corrupt. Listen to what it says, verse 16. For he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Verse 17. Then Azariah, 
the priest entered after him, and with him 80 priests of the Lord who were valiant men. You underline this phrase. And they opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord God. What did he do? His wickedness of heart and pride of heart, he decided he was going to go in and burn incense at the altar of incense in the temple. And that was something he was absolutely prohibited from doing. That was to be done only by the priest, not by the king. You hear it? Only by the priest, not by the king. Stop there a minute, do a little history. Y'all want to do some history, biblical history? Which position of those two positions is oldest? In, in, in history, which of those positions is oldest? The priesthood or the kingship? The priesthood. That's exactly right. How do we know that? Because that's when they came out. Remember, they came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness and God gave the law on Mount Sinai. And it was Moses and his brother Aaron. And he established Aaron as the priesthood who would carry on the sacrificial system and offer at the altar of incense and be the ones who were the priests, that was in the Exodus. But after the Exodus, you go through all the time of Joshua conquering the land and the period of the judges and the period of priestly rulership until finally Israel cries out and says, we want a king like all the other nations, way down the line. So the priesthood has preceded the kingship. And therefore the priesthood, the rules of the priesthood were established before there was ever a king. And when the king came about, it was very distinct that the king was different from the priest. And the king could not offer incense and could not lead forth in the sacrificial system. Saul, King Saul, the first king, he learned that lesson because he made the same mistake. And any king that made that mistake, they paid greatly. So here's Uzziah who decides in his pride that he's going to do what the priest can only do, even though he's not qualified to do that. He thinks he can do whatever he wants to do. He acts corruptly and he's unfaithful to the Lord. And I hope you notice this when it says there, I had you to underline that when it says in verse 18, Azariah, who was the high priest, along with 80 other priests who were given responsibility of burning incense at the altar of incense, those 81 people stood against King Uzziah, opposed him, and said, you must not do this. You cannot do this. This is not your calling. This is not your job. This is not what God gave you to do. They are opposing him. Isn't that interesting? Because it says that God opposes the proud. 
See, Azariah, the high priest, and those priests were representative of God. As though God were taking form and representative of God, they were saying, you cannot do this. We will not let you do this. We will oppose you as though God himself were saying to King Uzziah, you cannot do this. You must not do this. I will not let you do this. Or see, God was using those priests to oppose him, for God was opposing what Uzziah was about to do. Well, what do you, what do you hope happens? I hope he'd listen, don't you? I hope he'd listen and say, I've made a mistake, and I let my pride creep into my heart, and I think I have a position I don't have. I, I, I shouldn't have done that. That's what I want him to do. It's what I want him to do. Just like sometimes I, I want to do the right thing too. But what happens? Look at him, verse 19. But Uzziah with a censer in his hand for burning incense, circle these words, was enraged. He was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priest. Do you know what the response of pride is? Okay, everybody pay attention right now. I'm going help you a lot. Let me tell you the response of pride. Let me tell you how you know you've got pride in your heart and your life. You know, I, I'll tell you what. Whenever you get opposed, you're going to get madder than a wet hen. You, you're going to be enraged in your heart. That is, the, that is the symptom of pride. To get angry. Angry at somebody, angry at some situation, mad. Whatever you, why are you mad? Most of the time, because it's your pride. And Uzziah was sitting there whenever those priests said, you cannot do this. God said, you cannot do this. You must not do this. Instead of humbling himself and doing what he ought to do and saying, forgive me, dear God, he gets mad. And he asks, well, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I've got the censer in my hand. I'll do whatever I want to do. Oh, really? Keep reading. Verse 19, while enraged, he was enraged with a priest. The leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. Okay, you're going to do what you want to do? Go ahead. And what did God do? God immediately broke leprosy, that dreaded disease that caused you to be an outcast. You know, those dreaded disease of that day. Leprosy broke out on his forehead immediately. He didn't contract it from anybody. He didn't pick it up from anybody. God just sent it to him right there on his forehead. Which meant what? It meant that he was unclean. And why does this happen to him? Because of pride. Pride. That common problem. Well, I'll assure you this. Uzziah had no idea. He did not count the cost of that pride issue in his life. Wow, what a cost. What a cost. 
leprosy breaks out on his forehead, which means immediately he was unclean. Listen, verse 20. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him. And behold, he was leprous on his forehead. And they hurried him out of there. And he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had smitten him. They weren't having to just rush him out. He was ready to get out too, amen? He was ready to leave the premises. Because what? He realized the Lord had smitten him. He realized this was a discipline of God upon his prideful, prideful heart. And man, what it cost him. He's smitten of God. He's now unclean. Listen to what it says in verse 21. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. He never got well. A king who's a leper. And he lived in a separate house. In other words, he wasn't even supposed to be able to do that. You know where a leper's supposed to live? Outside the city gate. Because he is king, I guess he had some special privilege. But he didn't get to live in the palace. He lived in a separate house. He never got to be with his family anymore. For he was unclean. He didn't just live in a separate house. Look what else it says. And being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Never again could he enter into the temple. Never again could he enter into the temple like other people because he was unclean. Totally, absolutely cut off from the temple. But that's not all. Jotham, his son, was over the king's household judging the people of the land. In other words, he was king by position, but he wasn't king by possession and by practice. He still was king. But he couldn't be around anybody. He couldn't judge anybody. They couldn't be around him because he was unclean. He was a leper. So he had to turn over responsibilities to his son, Jotham. In verse 22, it says, Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first to last, the prophet Isaiah's son, Amos, is written. But listen to verse 23. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grave which belonged to the king for they said, now, just to tell you, in the, in the Hebrew language, a little clearer than what this is. It sounds like, you know, most of the time the kings, whenever the kings died, they were buried with their fathers. They would be in the same tomb with their fathers. That was the blessing of being the king and being of that lineage. But here in the Hebrew language, it doesn't say that he was buried with them, but he was buried near them. He was buried in the graveside of where the kings are, but he was not buried with them. Why? Because he was a leper, and he was unclean. He didn't get to be buried where ordinarily as a king he would have been able to be buried because he was unclean. And then notice what it says. He was buried near where his fathers were, the kings were, for he is a leper. Do you know what that means? That was his epitaph. That was what was written on his tombstone. (laughs) That's what's written on there. It's when you go, King Uzziah. What do we remember about King Uzziah? He is a leper. He is a leper. That's what's written there. Wait a minute. What about all those good things? What about all those victories he won and the prosperous land he had and the mighty army he had and the inventions he brought about? What about all those glorious things he did? He is a leper. That's what's written on his headstone. 
All because of pride. Sinful pride. When he got strong, pride crept up in his heart, crept up in his mind, and caused him to be unfaithful to God and caused God to oppose him. To oppose him. Now listen to me a minute. If Uzziah, a righteous king, who were, was serving God since the age of 16, being blessed by God because he sought the Lord, marvelously prosperous because the, the Lord knew his heart was towards him. If that man, if that man can be overcome by pride, and cost him so greatly. So can you. So can I. You might think, well, that seems like a mighty severe punishment for Uzziah. I mean, other people did worse things. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar, after seven years, he got his mind back. So why is it such a severe punishment for Uzziah? Because, remember, the king could not fulfill the priest's duty, and the priest was not to fulfill the king's duty. Those were distinct, and those were separate. Never would there be one who could be king and priest until Jesus. And God wasn't going to let Uzziah or anybody mess up his portrait, his picture, his type that he's presenting when his son gets there who has the right to be king for he sits on the throne of his father David. But he has the right to be priest because his blood is the sacrifice whereby men are made right with God. And Jesus is the only priestly king. And when Uzziah was going to mess up what God had established and planned, it was severe judgment on Uzziah because his pride caused him to be unfaithful to what God called him to do and to act corruptly. That's why the severe punishment. Well... If there's one thing this passage does for us, it lets us know pride's not just a problem of pagan kings, is it? And, and, and pride is going to always be there dealing with you. You can have a good start, a great beginning. You can have a blessed life. But if you're not careful, if you're not careful, good things happen to you. Victories are won. And you all of a sudden feel like you're strong. You feel pride creeping up in your life. Be careful. For that principle is still the same. God opposes the proud. But gives grace to the humble. Which side do you want to be on? I want to be on that blessing side. Amen. (laughs) I want to be on that blessing side. So dear Lord, help us. Help us. To humble ourselves don't need for you to humble us. Help us humble ourselves and keep seeking you. 
as the one true God. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com sermon series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.